بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی سکس آف جنوری ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And to conclude the subsection, inshallah, tonight, in which we're taking a glimpse into his immense worship of the Almighty and Glorious. So throughout his long and blessed life, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu was graced to perform many pilgrimages. about which Jadeer Rahmatullah he said, when Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu entered into the state of Ihram from Dhatul Irq, we heard him thereupon utter nothing other than the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until he finally came out of Ihram. He thereafter said to me, dear son of my brother, this is what Ihram should be like. So this is recorded in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 1, page 13 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who settled in Basra. Al-Bidayah, volume 9, and Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 51 of the New English translation. So how many pilgrimages did he have the honor of performing? Allah Ta'ala knows best. But certainly in the double figures. Hajj and Umrah. But when he entered into Ihram, And his miqat was Zatul Irq. And this is the miqat for the people of Iraq when they cross. He didn't speak at all. So think about that. He's in Ikhram. And all they heard him utter was dhikr. Only when he came out of Ikhram, he would say to his students, this is what Ikhram should be like. So what does that tell you? It tells you how much he... considered this to be a sacred state. Subhanallah, compare this to the now only too common scene where the muhrim is actually heard uttering obscenities amongst other things. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. So is it sinful to speak in ihram? No, it's not. Obviously, as long as you keep the language clear. But is it a waste of time? Yes. <laughs> So Anas was saying that once you're in Ihram, you should be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing zikr and not forgetting. When you're performing the Hajj, you're in Ihram for days. So he was basically on lockdown completely until he came out of Ihram. And he said, this is ideally what the Ihram should be like. So in conclusion to this truly endless subsection, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu was also a most generous soul. Humayt Tawil Rahmatullah he said when some people came to visit Anas radiyallahu when he had fallen ill he said to his maidservant bring something for our guests even though it be a piece of bread because I have heard Rasulullah say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna maqarim al-akhlaqi min a'mal al-jannah verily the excellent moral attributes are the practices of the people of paradise. Subhanallah. 
is it recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat number 6501 or 6313? Ibn Asakir al Qudai in his Musnad al Shihab number 985 or 2-108, Tarqib volume 4, page 152, Al Haytami in Majma al Zawaid volume 8, page 177, states Sahih, Hayat al Sahaba volume 3, page 122 of the New English translation. So, picture the scene, he's ill. So, normally when you're ill, obviously you're concerned about yourself. <laughs> He's ill, people come to visit and he's actually got things prepared for his guests. And when his guests came, he said to his maidservant, even if it's a piece of bread, give it to the guests. And then he explained why. He goes, the Prophet stressed this when he said, verily, maqadim al-akhlaq, the excellent moral attributes min a'mal al-jannah are the practices of the people of paradise. <laughs> so, if this was the concern for his guest when he was ailing, then what then would be the case when he was hale and hearty? Think about that. Sometimes we we get guests and we don't put nothing in front of them. They come in, Salaamu Alaikum, Wa Alaikum everything will have a good you know, chin work and then see you later. <laughs> and somebody goes, why didn't you, you know, give him something? Oh, there's nothing to give. You have anything to put on, you know, even if it's bread like uh, Anna said. He goes, this is the excellent qualities which take you to paradise. <laughs> and also with regards to guests, the Prophet wasallam, he said in a very famous hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, he goes, he who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, he should honor his guest. <laughs> so the wording, like I mentioned many times, is very interesting. Because if you don't honor your guest, the question to ask is, do you really believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day? That's the word. He who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, let him honor his guest. So it's, you should, it's a sign of iman. But note he was ill. You could, excuse, could have excused him, but he still was showing this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So making a start on the next subsection entitled A Glimpse into His Immense Fear of Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala So there's always a link SubhanAllah just as His worship was phenomenal which we've discussed the last week or so so was this most blessed man's phenomenal taqwa So they go together You never get a person who's very strong in his worship and his taqwa is weak They both go together so let's look at the impact all this had upon him. In Abu Dawood, number 1196, in the chapter on the prayer for rain, is Hassan. Behaki 3-342-3, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 1-334, Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih. Ubaidullah ibn Nadr relates from his father, Rahmatullah There was zulmatan, an intense darkness during the time of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu Thus I went to him and said, Ya Abu Hamza, Halkan yusibikum mithlu hadha ala ahdi Rasulillahi. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O father of Hamza, radiyallahu did similar incidents used to happen during the lifetime of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He responded, Ma'adhallah, in kanatil rihu, la tashtaddu fanubadirul masjidah, I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if the wind were to blow strongly, 
we would rush to the masjid fearing that the day of judgment had arrived. So let's look at this. So this is a Sahih Hadith in Imam Abu Dawood Sunan and many other references. So what was this intense darkness? So in when there's a storm brewing, if there's no artificial lights, it goes pitch black, even during the day. And if you get really heavy rain clouds, you literally think, what's happening? So it became really dark. So this man, he rushed to Anas and he asked a very good question. He goes, did this occur during the lifetime of the Prophet? In other words, this sort of like, you know, uh, climate change. And what did he say? Ma'adallah. I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why did he say that? Because this man, this is what triggered him to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he rebuked him. Because you only remember Allah ta'ala when there's a you know, serious climatic change. He goes, A'udhu billah, ma'adallah. Even if the wind were to blow strongly, we would rush to the masjid fearing the qiyamat. So now what's interesting, this is a sunnah. So if the wind were to blow strongly, who rushes to the masjid? And even if he did, you're thinking, why are you going to the masjid? It's not time for salat. Because it's sunnah. And he goes, sunnah. Why? Because who knows why? The Prophet would, you know, rush to the masjid and the companions would follow. You could argue that in that part of the world, it doesn't really have much wind, and it's true. Makkah, Medina doesn't have much wind. But nevertheless, wind is the most common common thing in, in weather. If the wind blew slightly strongly, they'd be rushing to the masjid. Now imagine you were there. Wouldn't you be like a fish out of water? You think, why is everybody running to the masjid? What's happened? You know, we, we wouldn't even know what's going on. Go to the masjid. We probably have to ask somebody. Imagine, there's the state, there's the difference between you and the Zahab. We don't know what's happening. They're thinking, Qiyamah's coming. Subhanallah, such was the glorious era about which Anas famously said, Radiyallahu, Innakum la ta'amaloon a'amalan hiya addaqqo fi a'yunikum minasha'ar. Verily, you indulge in actions which are more insignificant to you than a hair. Whilst we considered them during the time of Rasulullah to be mubiqat, meaning the destructive sins. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 6492, Ahmad in his Musnad, al Salihin, number 63, Targheem, number 2153. So this is a very famous statement. You hear it quite often in the various sermons. So Anas, what did he say? He goes, you, so who's he talking to? Tabin. So forget about us. He goes, you indulge in actions which are more insignificant to you, not to us, to you, than a hair. So let me ask you a question. What sins were the Tabin committing? You know, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm in a second glance. <laughs> it's not going to be like this, is it? Backbiting, swearing, lying, backstabbing. <laughs> right? So, your guess is as good as mine. So, Anna said to them, you consider this like hair. Now, what does that mean? And it's true. You know, if you get a hair, you just flick it. He goes, we considered them in the lifetime of Rasulullah as mubiqat. 
Yaani muhliqat meaning the destructive ones. <laughs> so what does this mean? What the Tabi'een considered to be minor sins, the Sahaba considered them to be destructive sins. <laughs> so to me and you, what does that mean? I don't even know what a Tabi'een's minor sin is. <laughs> but whatever that was, that was Khuda Afis for the Sahaba. <laughs> and this is what we can take, which we hear from the scholars. The failings of the righteous are the good deeds of the masses. <laughs> That's, we can get that somewhat. <laughs> The failings of the righteous are the good deeds of the masses. So now, what was Anas exposing here? He was exposing his inner state. Never boasted, never mentioned his virtues. But when people triggered him and he saw the vast drop in piety, he'd come down like a ton of bricks. Why? Because these were the students of the companions. They were normal people. So he said to the first one, when he came, when the storm was brewing, he goes, Ma'adallah, in other words, haven't you learned anything? He goes, we would rush to the masjid if it was slightly strong, the wind became slightly stronger, thinking it's kiamat. In other words, don't ever come and ask me about that again. Then in the other report, who's he talking to? We don't know. Somebody had done something. And he goes, you're considering it like this, which we would consider destructive. So now we've reached a stage where even major sins we're not bothered about. Now think about that. Isn't that a disastrous day? So what's a major sin which people aren't bothered about? You can get a list of backbiting. That's top of the list. And even people joke about it. Because, well, everybody's backbiting each other. So we're going to be passing our deeds backwards and forwards anyway. So the response to that is you pass your deeds on. I'm not going to pass mine on. But if somebody wants to give me deeds, Alhamdulillah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> what other sin is common? Usually, interest, <laughs> destructive. And yet now, instead of saying, Brother, you're right, Astaghfirullah, disaster, they try and legalize it. There's actually a hadith mentioning that. They go, no, it's all right. What's all right? <laughs> right? And then you go, other things. For example, you know, you get a boyfriend and girlfriend, as they say. And what does the Muslim boyfriend say? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, she'll become Muslim. I'm working on her. He goes, that's a funny doubt, brother. <laughs> and then what happens? He ends up leaving Islam because she worked on him. So it's all over the place. But this was the auspicious time of the Sahab. The great Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said something very similar, in Sayyid Muslim. He said that the righteous, they consider their failings like a mountain hovering over their head. The fajr, the criminal, is like a fly on the nose. So now he's explaining something. If I was to say to you, mountains above your head is about to crash on you, you wouldn't be able to work, move, anything. You'd be just sat there, probably shaking. Because this is how the righteous look at their sins. They think we've blown it. The Fajr, he's got the same sins. But instead of a mountain hovering over his head, it's a fly. And you know as people, when a fly comes, what happens? They don't even break sweat. They just carry on talking. You, know, you see people, yeah, no, and then flana flana, right? Flana flana, there was a fly in your nose, was there? Right? Meaning you're not even registering what's happening. So what is that telling you? This was the age of the righteous, the, the people who were close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Anas ibn Sirin, he said, Rahmatullah, I was with Anas ibn Malik in the company of some Magians when Faludaj, a sweet maid of flour and honey, was brought in a silver utensil. Those Anas did not partake of it. The man was then told to change the utensil. Thus he changed the utensil and when he brought it to Anas, he only then partook of it. This is in Behaki, is Hassan, Riyadh al number 1797. So what's happened? So these were the Magians. These were Muslims. If they were Muslims, he would have sought them out. A Magian out of respect, because he must have had respect for the companions of the Prophet They gave him a drink called Faludaj. So what is this? Is a sweet drink made of flour and honey, like a you know sharbat. But it was in a silver utensil. Are we allowed to drink in silver? So Anas just ignored it. So he was brought, he just ignored it. Somebody told the man, he hasn't got a problem with you. It's the utensil. So the Magian changed the utensil, maybe in a wooden container. He brought it to Anas then, took it. So what do we learn now? We learn that even the non-Muslims, he was teaching them. But he was doing it in a very sublime way. He wasn't like, you know, hurting them. He was getting the point across. He goes, we have our rules and regulations. We're not allowed to do that. Why didn't he mention that? He didn't say a single word to him. Why? Because he might have got hurt over that. He just turned his blessed face away. And somebody else then said, you know, you need to change that utensil. Mm-hmm. The reason for this is as our beloved messenger famously said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever drinks in utensils of silver then has in fact kindled in his belly the fire of hell. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Riyadh Salihin, number 1795. So the Prophet in this flawless report, he explained, because if you drink from a utensil of silver, You've put the fire of hell into your stomach. Meaning, even if the drink is lawful, it's become haram. Another report from our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Verily the person who eats or drinks in utensils made of gold and silver, he has filled his belly with the fire. This is in Sayyid Muslim, Riyadh al number 1795. So what's the difference? In Bukhari and Muslim, it only mentions drink. And it only mentions silver. So somebody could say, well, I can drink from gold then. And I can eat from a silver utensil. No. Because in Sayyid Muslim, the Prophet wasallam said, eating and drinking from gold or silver. So he made it clear in the other report that it's not gold, no silver, no eating or drinking from this. And in another report, the Prophet further clarified, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hunna lakum fid dunya, wahiya lakum fil akhirah. These are meant for them, the unbelievers in this world, and for you in the hereafter. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Riyadh Salihin, number 1796. So think about that. In paradise, we can drink from gold. We can eat from silver utensils. But it's not for this in the world. Now what's interesting about that, why? There's actually a report. And the report mentions that Allah the Almighty and Glory has said, if it wasn't for the Muslims, if it wasn't for those who believe, 
I would have given the unbelievers dwellings made of gold and silver, with staircases made, and he mentions other things. But if it wasn't for the believers, so this is the gist of the report. So what does that mean? It means that Allah Taala would have given everything to the unbelievers in the world. He has not done that because He is merciful to us. Why? Because we're that stupid. <laughs> Imagine if every single non-Muslim had a house of gold. What would you think? <coughs> Be honest. They're successful. <laughs> we're unsuccessful. <laughs> so Allah Taala in His kindness goes. That's why I haven't done it because I know that there's weak ones amongst you. But those few and far in between who do have something like that, they affect us. <laughs> so imagine somebody goes to you, but that guy's got more money than sense. How many guys are there who've got more money than sense? Two, <laughs> right? And he goes, and they've affected you. Do shukr, brother. And he goes, what do you mean shukr? Everybody in Donald, every slow bag that you bump into. Imagine, like, what's happening? Well, we supposed to, and there you go. So Allah Ta'ala is in his kindness. He's keeping it away from them. But the tragedy is we don't see that. In fact, we we judge people due to wealth. <laughs> There's a report where the Prophet ﷺ, he said, In Tirmadi Hassan Sahih Gharib, if this world was worth the wing of a mosquito to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would not have given a sip of water to the unbelievers. So this is another clarification. So what have the unbelievers got? Everything. MashaAllah. Why have they got everything? People then get confused because I don't understand what you're saying. Because why have they got everything? The Prophet told you because the world is worth nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it had any value, so imagine you had a scale and the scale could uh, weigh atoms and protons. If it had that much value, the world, an atom or proton, Allah wouldn't give a sip of water to the unbelievers. But has he deprived them of a sip of water? You must be kidding. So what does that tell you? He can't stand the dunya. Right? He can't stand it. So what's happened to us? Imagine any, what Allah can't stand. We love. In Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman and Mishkat, Hassan al-Basri said, Rahmatullah some attributed to the Prophet the head of all error is love of the world. Or the love uh, the love of the world is the root of all evil if you translate it with a meaning wise that is what destroys you so what's happened we're in a prison the prophet kept telling you that as a dunya sijnul mu'min the world is the prison for the believer we have, and be honest do we feel like we're in a prison and so think about that somebody goes are you being serious he goes yeah do you feel like you're in a prison and he goes I'm telling you straight no I'm not I'm a completely free man. There's something's gone wrong. <laughs> and if you've got that mindset, what's going to stop you from drowning in dunya? <laughs> right? And that's why the Prophet said so many times, consider yourselves already amongst the people of the graves. In Sayyid Muslim. Again, look at these statements. They're just coming out from my mouth. Who's living according to it? <laughs> Do you consider yourself amongst the people of the graves? And you go, brother, I'm telling you straight, No. <laughs> So why is the Prophet saying it then? Are you just going to reject his statements? Right? Did the Sahaba consider themselves to be amongst the people of the graves? Of course they did. Where is the proof? I'll give you one. Abu Huraira said in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabaqat that if I touch this pillar of the masjid and I would die and there was no sin involved, nobody would beat me in touching the pillar. 
Simply put, what he said was, if I can commit suicide lawfully, <laughs> nobody would stop me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but you can't. Same question to you. <laughs> Push that pillar, you're dead. <laughs> you think, what? <laughs> you're dead with the, you know, mashallah, you're going. Ready to go. In. Suitcase are packed down there. Which suitcases? Right? And he goes, you know, for Akhirat. I, even, I haven't even bought the suitcase. And he goes, well, forget about the pillar then. You're going to be flying under death of death. In Behaki and Mishkat, the Prophet some said, death is the gift for the belief. Why are you frightened of a gift? Imagine somebody gets, gives you a gift and you start shaking in your pants. What's up with the brother giving you a gift? Because it's death. Right? Death is the gift. Why? Because you've left the prison. It's like the guy, imagine you get that phone call. You've been in prison for 25 years and suddenly the phone rings. And the, and the warden comes and he calls your name out. He goes, Yusuf. He goes, yes. You're a free man. Mm-hmm. And I started shaking in my pants. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes, what's up with Yusuf? Well, you don't want to leave prison. Mm-hmm. Right? He goes, well, let him rot then, innit? Mm-hmm. Right? So think about that. We're we're in, we, we don't want to leave dunya. Mm-hmm. Astaghfirullah. So here, what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? It's for us in the Akhirat. Silver utensils, gold utensils to drink and eat from for eternity. Because mm-hmm. don't look at it in this world. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was basically I concluded the subsection with regards to Sayyidina Anas a glimpse into his awesome worship. And now we've started the other subsection in which we're taking a glimpse into now his immense taqwa, his fear of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, both of these things go <coughs> like a glove with the hand, as they say. The more you are righteous in your deeds, the more your taqwa will increase. Mm-hmm. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallah Allahumma bihamdi ka ashru la ilahi illa anta astaghfirika atu balaika wa dhibillahi min shaitan jim subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yisifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi rabbil alameen wal asr in lisan lafi khusr al-ladhina amanu wa 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 amanu w